Brad, I'm going to ask you if you can put the passage up that my wife read a little bit ago, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, and just leave it up on the screen while I bring the message because I'm going to, that's, going to, that's my text for my message today. I had actually planned not to preach a Mother's Day sermon as such because uh, I started a series last week on the kingdom of God, and I really wanted to preach out of the book of Daniel today. But we spent this last three days up in Minneapolis with five of our grandchildren. We don't get to see them as often as we do the ones here. And uh, the youngest one is uh, uh, just 15, and he's still in high school, but all the others are out of high school, and one of them just is graduating from college, and some are even older than he is, and so we had an opportunity to do a lot of talking this weekend about uh, our country and about where we are as a nation and things like that and what they're learning in school and what they're being pushed to try to teach them in school. And uh, so I decided actually on the way home last night <laughs> that I wanted to uh, bring a message on this passage of Scripture and uh <clears throat> Uh, we'll be referring to it as I go through. But let me just say in kind of an introductory way, I don't think anybody is shocked to hear me say that our culture is actually declining. It's sinking today. So all the great cultures of the world uh, that have gone before us have collapsed, some of them because of external invasion from other countries and things like that. But many of the cultures, like even the culture of Rome, was destroyed from the inside as they, uh, as they lost sight of uh, the purpose of life. And they began to give themselves to licentiousness and sinful practices of different kinds. It's happening in our country today. And I know that's not a shocking statement to anybody. If you watch the news or read much of what's going on in our country today, we're just always kind of appalled at uh, the just profound, Profuse profanity. Uh, I know it's just hard to even go to a movie today that you don't hear really, really filthy talk. And even in some of the, the, the what you think of as family-friendly movies, there's some of it. And then uh, uh, immorality, uh, uh, just celebrating sexuality, adultery, homosexuality, these kinds of things. It's just so prevalent in our culture today. And one thing that is happening is that masculinity is being redefined. Now, I'm going to preach a Father's Day message on Father's Day, Lord willing, about what it means to be a real man. And, uh, but today, our culture is trying to say that there really is not a difference between men and women. That's just... You know, there's a Greek word for that, baloney. Uh, uh, I think that's an English word, though, isn't it? But, uh, but it's just ridiculous, to, this idea. But this is what the, our grandkids were telling us. That even in high school, this idea of, uh, of same-sex marriage and homosexual, accepting homosexual behavior and transgender, all this kind of stuff. And in the colleges... Almost every college in America today has majors in transgender studies or gender, uh, what do they call them, uh, uh, 
Well, they, they told us what it was called. Was that, uh, gender identity, yeah, those kinds of things. And, and uh, it's just ridiculous to see the media and the educational system pushing so hard to, to try to blur the line between male and female. In fact, I told my wife, I'm kind of surprised that they don't uh, try to do away with Mother's Day and Father's Day and just try to have Parents' Day or something like that. But I'm glad that as Christians anyway, as we study the Word of God, we see that there is a definite distinction. And one of the very first things we're told in the opening pages of the Bible is that God created them male and female. So masculinity and femininity is not a cultural idea. It is God's design. But masculinity is being redefined and femininity is being ridiculed today. It's like uh, if a, a woman decides that she wants to really be a woman... And, and a feminine woman, and if she wants to be a mother and stay at home and raise her children at home, uh, uh, they're almost, uh, what's the word? Uh, they're criticized. They're, they're made fun of. They're ridiculed, the idea. And, and it's not to say that, a, that uh, a woman who works outside the home is not a feminine woman, but I can remember... A time when boys uh, talked really ugly. I did when I was in high school, unfortunately. But you know, I never heard a girl talk ugly when I was in high school. I never heard a girl use profanity and curse words and, and vulgar words. Now, I know there probably were some who did, but I never heard it. And But I heard guys that today... It seems like women are almost in competition with men and to see who can talk the ugliest, the most vulgar, and the most profane. And so femininity is being ridiculed. Competition between the sexes is encouraged. And the truth is, biblical roles are being discarded. And... Uh, this idea of uh, gender confusion, I believe there is some of that for sure. Just like there are some children who are born with physical deformities. And there are some children who are born with uh, mental disabilities. I believe there are some people, some boys, who are born with some feminine characteristics. There is some gender confusion. And some girls that are born with masculine tendencies. There's no doubt about that. We, we see that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the push to try to say to boys, you ought not to be masculine. If there's something wrong with a, with a man wanting to be strong, without a man wanting to be protective, and, and, and there's something wrong with a woman uh, wanting to be protected and to be under the protection of a male. And so uh, the truth is we need strong men and we need strong women. And, boy, I tell you, uh, uh, my wife's a strong woman, and I praise God for her. She's, 
She has a strength in areas that I have weaknesses. And she has been a, a, a motivation for me to get stronger in areas where I needed to be stronger. So we need strong women. Men, we need strong men. We need men who will love, men who will lead, men who will be learners, men who will stand and protect their family. And not just protect their family from attack from the outside, but protect their family from attacks from the inside. You know, uh, uh, I was thinking some time ago, there are, there are men who would fight to protect their wife from some kind of attack, but they won't fight to protect their wife from Satan's attack and from sin's attack. And that's really more damaging maybe in the long run than, uh, than a, a, an insult or even a physical attack. So we need men who are strong who will love their wives the way Christ loved the church. That's what we're told. To. I realize I'm going to focus on women here in a minute. But, uh, but we need women who will uh, nurture and who will model before their children what feminine uh, love is all about. When, when my kids got scared, they hollered, Daddy. But when they got hurt, they hollered, Mama. I think that's interesting. Whenever they were afraid, whenever they felt some danger, they ran to me. But when they felt some pain, they ran to her. Why is that? Why do you think they, it, it, not because they didn't think I cared about their pain, but it's just something about mothers that uh, there, there's a nurturing, there's a, a, a caring, there's a healing, a soothing that mothers give that fathers are not just naturally uh, uh, inclined to give. Just, so, just like there's a protectiveness that fathers give that mothers are not naturally designed to give. So as women want to nurture and be a model, in fact, I call this message needed mothers who model morality. Mothers who model morality. And uh, so let's look at the passage and see if women are going to nurture and model before their children, they must first follow Jesus. Ladies, you be imitators of God. That is, you follow Jesus as beloved children. Now, this is true for men as well because God made male and female and both came out of him. So that for God, all the strength of the male is in God and all the nurturing of the female is in God. And so God made them male and female because he knew that children didn't just need the strength of a father or the nurture of a mother. They needed both. And both the, all those qualities are in him. So, so ladies, the first thing I would say is be a follower 
an imitator, one who studies the life of Jesus and says, that's the way I want to be. And what qualities did Jesus have that mothers need? He was tender. He was gentle. The Bible says that a bruised reed he wouldn't break and smoking flax he wouldn't quench. That just that's, Those are not terms we use often today, but it meant that he was so gentle and so tender that even a reed that was bent and had been uh, stepped on, he would not uh, do any further damage to it. And he was a, a, a healer. He brought strength and health to those who were suffering. So, ladies, follow Jesus. That's the first thing. And then the next thing is walk in love. Walk in love. Just like Christ loved us and sacrificed himself for us. That's what love is. Love is giving. Selfishness is taking. What? The Bible describes a, a, a woman in Proverbs chapter 31, and it says that her children rise up and call her blessed. What causes children to rise up and bless their mother? It's the sacrifice that she makes for them and that they sense and feel in their life. And what causes children to rise up and curse their mother is if they feel that their mother has put herself first ahead of, of their needs and ahead of them. And, again, I just would say my mother certainly was not a perfect mother. Uh, she, was, she would be embarrassed if I thought she was a perfect mother. But I tell you one thing that she always did for us three boys is that she always sacrificed herself. She would just give to meet our needs no matter what it cost her. And I can just remember so many times when there would just be maybe a, a three pieces of pie or three uh, biscuits or whatever on the plate, and she suddenly lost her appetite. She just didn't want anything. You Here, you boys have that. And, uh, and well, there'd usually be four because my dad would get one too. But... Uh, but I can just remember so many times that she just said uh, uh, th- there were clear examples of sacrifice on her part. And that's what love is. Love gives. Love sacrifices. That's the way love is defined in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. And that's what love is. So mothers... Uh, uh, walk in love. And the way you do that is by giving yourself up for your children. And we don't do that perfectly. None of us do that perfectly. Jesus did it perfectly. But uh, I certainly don't do it perfectly. And nobody does. But that should be our goal is I want to love like Jesus loved. That's the way... Husbands are told to love their wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And mothers, the way you demonstrate love for your children is by knowing their needs and giving to meet those needs. And you say, yeah, but what if it requires sacrifice? Then that's the way you demonstrate that the love is real. 
So follow Jesus, walk in love. And then the next one is to, uh, well, that's Proverbs 31.3. But that's a good one. Uh, Is to demand purity in your life and model it. Again, uh, our our grandkids are telling us that even, I mean, in the school, and of course I'm sure the girls here could tell us the same thing and the guys too, there's just such a push for uh, immorality. I mean, in America, sex has almost become a god. It is a destructive force. It was given to be one of the most uh, beautiful gifts that God gave to a husband and a wife. But outside of that prescribed use of it, it becomes destructive, always destructive. There is no way that sex outside of marriage can be positively helpful because it is sinful. And so this passage says let not to let sexual immorality or impurity or covetousness not even be named among you. So our our we are to demand purity in our own life. And I don't want to be legalistic. I don't think legalism is a good thing. But I just know that what we put into our eyes and ears does go into our heart and our soul. And you cannot, you absolutely cannot watch impure things and keep your heart and mind pure. And so... There are people that don't watch impure things and still have an impure mind, but you cannot watch impurity and be pure. It'd be like somebody said, I'm going to go here walla in the mud in my white suit, but I hope I don't get dirty. Well, it'd be ridiculous. You get dirty if you walla in the mud. Even if you got a black suit on, you still get dirty. And... People, I I know this last year, uh, a book and a movie, Fifty Shades of Grey, was just a runaway bestseller, and 80% of the people who bought it and read it were women. And I don't think there's any book from what I've said. I haven't read it, and I I won't read it or see the movie or anything, but it degrades women. And why women would read it and celebrate it and talk about it and and almost fantasize about it is ridiculous. And you cannot, I mean, you cannot put that kind of stuff in your heart and mind and have purity flow out to your children. If you want your children to be pure then mothers, you have to walk in purity. Demand purity. And then also seek contentment because it talks about covetousness. And I was going to mention that. I had a couple other things to say about it. But then number, this is number 13 if you're writing these down. But uh, 
is let your speech be clean. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking. That's all out of place. But rather, let there be thanksgiving. I tell you, again, what goes into our mind often goes into our heart, and then where does it come out? It comes out of our mouth. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When I was a teenage boy, before I was saved, I talked filthy. And the solution to try to stopping my filthy talk was not to put duct tape across my mouth because the, the problem wasn't in my mouth. The problem was in my heart. And the day, the very moment that Jesus saved me and cleaned my heart, he cleaned my mouth. And I stopped that profanity. And again, I just say there are a lot of women who think it's cool or I don't know, what do they think it is to cuss, you know? Uh and, and he just says here, don't let that happen. Don't let filthy talk come out of your mouth. Nothing that is impure. Just, But let thanksgiving come out. Let praise come out. Let encouragement come out. And uh, so have clean speech. And then the number 14, uh, there's 18, and I'm almost done here. 14 is uh, fear God. Know that the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience and daughters of disobedience. We don't talk a lot about the wrath of God, but the Bible talks a lot about the wrath of God. God is merciful. He's kind. He's loving. But he also is just and righteous and holy, and he is a righteous judge. In fact, I'm going to be preaching a sermon on hell in a few weeks, which I hadn't heard a sermon on hell in forever. It's just a subject that's not talked about much anymore. But the Bible talks about it a lot. And that's what he's talking about here. The wrath of God is real, and it does come on those who live ungodly lives. So fear God. And then have godly companions have godly companions do not be partners with the sons of disobedience that doesn't mean i mean i know where you work maybe where you go to school you have to associate with people who aren't christians and i'm sure uh alexis you probably know lots of kids at school who don't know Jesus, and they probably do a lot of these things I'm talking about right here. And you can't help but associate with them. But you don't become companions with them. You become companions with people who do love Jesus. That's one reason that Christ established the church to be a fellowship, a gathering of people who are seeking his glory and his righteousness. And if I want to, to, uh, 
if I associate with corrupt people continually, I will begin to be corrupt myself. I, I know people, I know someone very well who never used profanity. Christian, never used profanity until this person got around people that she heard so much profanity that it just almost became like, well, that's just the way people talk and began to use profanity. And uh, that's the reason we need to have, we may have associations with people who are ungodly, but we need to have companionship and fellowship with people who love Jesus and encourage us to love Jesus. And then number 16, know who you were and who you are now. He says that you were children of darkness. That's who we all were at one time. I look back in my life before I became a Christian, and uh, I was telling my Sunday school class this morning, there are things I was so ashamed of that that happened in my life, but they just seemed okay to me back then because I was living in darkness. I was walking in darkness, but when God saved me, he turned the light on. In fact, he is the light, and the light came into me, and so now I was darkness, but now I am a child of light. So it's important for us to remember who we were so we can praise God for who we are. And mothers, I would encourage you to do that. And then, because you are children of light, number 17 is shine. Shine. If you are children of light, then walk as children of light. Let the light shine. That's what Jesus said. Let your light, it's really his light in us, but let your light shine so that your children, your husband, your neighbors, your friends will see your good works and will glorify your Father in heaven. And then the last thing, number 18, is learn to please God. Ask the question, what pleases God? What, what does God want me to do? This sounds so simple, doesn't it? But it is really biblical and profound. As I go through my day, as I interact with people, as you mothers interact with your children, you ask the question, what pleases God? What do I do? What should I say? What should I, how should I respond in a way where God will be pleased? And uh, we used to tell our children, you want to seek the smile of God. There are things that we do that if we think about Jesus right there with us looking at it, he wouldn't be smiling. He'd be maybe uh, giving a raised eyebrow like, are you sure you want to do that? Or he might even be giving the mama eye. You know what I'm talking about? When you do something you shouldn't do and your mama looks at you and you know You've done something you shouldn't do. It's that mama eye. And that daddies have that too. When I was a little boy, 
maybe seven years old, six years old. We went to church one Sunday morning. I always sat with my parents, but that particular day I asked, I said, let me sit by myself today. And I don't know why they let me, but they let me. And I sat on the front row of the church. They didn't have pads in the pews. They were just long pews. They were slick. And I got to, I decided during the sermon that I wanted to see how fast I could slide from one end of the pew to the other end. And so I sliding down that way. And I made it pretty fast, and I wanted to see if I could do it that fast coming back. And I began to see how fast I could go back and forth on that pew. And then for some unknown reason, I took my little coat off and tied the sleeves together and began to spin them like that. And then all of a sudden, I felt like there was something hot on the back of my neck, like a a hot coal or something. And I turned around, and my mother and daddy were both just looking right at me. And I don't know about Superman's vision, heat vision, but my parents had it that day, and they were burning a hole in my neck. And I looked back, and my mother was doing like that and like that. And when church was over, it was real cold that day, I remember. And we started out to the car. And I said, ooh, it sure is cold today. And my daddy said, well, it's going to warm up when you get home, son. (laughs) And it did. I knew that I was not pleasing my parents. And I think there are times in my life where I I do things, I just know that doesn't please God. And when he just asks the question, Try to discern what pleases the Lord. What does God want me to do? And if we live like that, we can make a lot better decisions. So this is for all of us, not just mothers. But this passage of Scripture just really gripped my heart this week as we talked to our grandkids about all the stuff that's going on. And just really, uh, my grandson, who's just graduated from college, He said sometimes he feels like when he goes into some of these classes, it's almost like just an open sewer that is just pouring filth into the room. And and the kids, most of them, are welcoming it rather than rejecting it. And uh, he actually has decided that if he had it all to do over again, he wouldn't even go to college. He said, I would go to some kind of trade school. I'd learn a, a trade rather than go to college. He said, I'm just, he said, I feel like college has done more damage to me than it did good for me. So I'm not, so you parents who want your kids to go to college, don't quote me on that. But uh, uh, in college, a good college may be great for some people. But moms and dads, If we want to, and I don't think we can change our culture. I don't think, I don't think I can change our culture, but I can let God change me and I can have change in my home. And then if enough homes do that, you have change in that community. And if enough communities do that, you have change in 
a much wider area. And that's really how revival and change can come. So I would just ask you today to purpose in your heart, follow Jesus, to walk in love, to demand purity, to seek contentment, to have clean speech, fear God, have godly companions, know who you were and now who you are, and let your light shine and learn to please God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, here's the sense in which I've, I've gotten depressed this weekend just thinking about how huge the giants of immorality and profanity and gender confusion and evil is in our culture. But you've reminded me that David faced a giant, and he did it not in the strength of the flesh, but because he trusted in you. And he said, I do not come in the strength of spear and shield, but in the name of the Lord. And I pray that you will help us as mothers and fathers and children to purpose in our heart to follow Jesus and to walk in purity. And we may not be able to clean everybody else's speech up, but by your grace, we can let you clean our speech up. We may not be able to... uh, Make other people live moral lives, but by your grace, we can avoid immorality and let truth be our guide. Help us discern what is pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us, and let us get to know you. Have a great week, and may the Lord richly bless you.